0: You're listening to a DM podcast.
1: Hey, we are back in the football shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And excitingly tonight, there is no running order because Jeff hasn't got any ink in the printer. <laughs> so, how this evening goes. We'll see. We'll yeah. just make it up. We'll just chaos ball. Multi-ball. Yes. Freestyle. I
0: mean? Yes. Um, Jeff, did you bring a beer to get you through the chaos? I did. It is a Moondog Lager. A the game? Dog. Did you have that, that last week? No, no. Is that good? Well, no, that's... I don't really like
1: Moondog beers. You don't
0: really like Moondog beers. But no. it's
1: better than like
0: cheap. Aldi yeah. beer. I didn't buy it. My wife bought it. Which, independent which is
1: just, independent which, brewer, Jeff. An independent brewer. Yeah.
0: Yes. It, it's more flavoursome than I'm used to, which is it throws me a little That's bit. That's probably their least f- flavoursome beer. <laughs> the one called Lager. Lager. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, rog, what did you bring?
2: Uh, I've got a stock standard tonight, John. Just a stomping ground
1: pale. That's because you are pretty stock standard. Mm. Um, I bought an exciting bottle of Aldi red wine. Oh. It's cooler this week, so not drinking it in 35 degrees is... Um, actually quite
0: nice you know um, so Roger's using like a real um, sleazy gold pen <laughs> tonight yes. to, to, to make his notes and you were saying it's like the, the kind of pen that you, your gran had have next to her phone yeah. did I tell you what my gran used to have next to her phone Go on. yeah no I think you have a phone I don't think you told us on the podcast yeah, yeah, before. but tell us again what to, I no, I don't so remember we this. got my gran um a mobile phone back in the back in the day, when, <laughs> and my gran used to keep it plugged in next to the phone, and it was turned off when she she turn it off when she left the house and leave it there plugged in so it was always charged. This then when she get home, she she turn it on again just next to her actual phone. That's the best. Like, what are you doing? She's like, well, that's where I know how to find it. It's next to the phone. Yeah, a <laughs> phone. That's where phones. It's not bad logic. Uh, it is terrible logic.
1: No, yeah. Well, you know where it is though. Yeah. Um, every week we start the question but before we do that and Jeff's going to do the question this week um, if you want to get involved in the football shed community just head to the Facebook group called Shedders and Volleys um, where we talk nonsense about football, um, and you can give us ideas for One Beer Wonders. Um, and if you like Rog, though, and you want to send an email, you can do that too, at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. I thought you were going
2: to say, if you like Rog, you can let him know. Or <laughs> oh, you're... no, no no. It's no, no, ma- no, no. It's mainly
0: bullying of you, can right, okay. okay. tell you join the group. I wouldn't want to spoil it. Absentee that. bullying. Yes. My favourite kind. Just behind his back where you can't <laughs> see or hear it. His very large back. Oh no.
1: Um, but Jeff, you've got the question. What's the question?
0: Oh, it's I, I found this really interesting. So um, I saw this week a list of the top earners from each club ranked as who as how amazing their top earners were. So you know, which is the best top earner. Yeah. Interesting, interesting article. Mm. However, the one that really stood out for me was Chelsea. So my question this week, as I stopped burping from this moon dog <laughs> lager, it's too flavoursome. But it wants to get too, out. It's got cr- too much um, yeast in it. Is who is Chelsea's top earner? Kante? No. Um, I was going to say Hazard. He doesn't even play there
1: anymore. Keppa? No. Thiago? No. Mm, Silva.
2: Silver Yeah. So, what? <laughs> uh, no. Pulisic?
0: No. May. Giroud? No. Um, uh, Jorginho? No. Havertz? No. Mount? No. Hudson-Odoi? No. Um, Kovacic? No, you should see the faces in the room, everyone. Chirwell. Ben Chirwell. No way! No
2: shit. God, they did really need a left-back, but <laughs> that's, that's crazy.
0: £190,000 a week. Ben Chirwell is Chelsea's top. Uh, God he's done well there and his
2: agent (laughs) his agent deserves like he is basically a bang average left back
0: I couldn't believe it when I read it so I I was like flicking through this list going oh okay oh yeah that makes sense oh he's on a lot of money I was like Holy shit, Ben Gerwell. I Think of the quality players at Chelsea. But it does—it did also strike me that. I was going to say, um, can you have you got any of the others that are interesting? Yeah, uh, there's um, it, there was a few more, a few more bits of detail. It's amazing how much Arsenal pay their players. Mm. So um, it's La- not. It's very Arsenal? <laughs> it, is, it is very <laughs> Arsenal. Lacazette, one hundred and eighty-two thousand pounds a week. Willian, one hundred and ninety-two thousand pounds. Willian, how old is he? Thirty-six. So that's what. Uh, it's 31 I think
1: that's probably what Chelsea just 30. saved 190 grand a week off Willian and went we'll give that to Ben Chilwell
0: it's crazy and guess who is the highest paid player at Manchester United
1: Pogba is it still Alexis Sanchez no it's, <laughs> no,
0: it's <laughs> and it's not Pogba it, it, it is Pogba pardon me who, uh, Pogba De Gea and then third guess who's third Maguire Cavani Wow. that is such a United move, isn't it? That's is such yes. a Manchester United thing to do to get to get.
1: Well, if you're going to sign anyone on a free from PSG, they're going to go.
0: Oh yeah, give me three hundred grand a week. Yeah, but Arsenal are paying Aubameyang two hundred and fifty k. They're paying Party, yep. the, the, the the Party boy two hundred and sixty k. Ozil obviously still up there with his three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week. I mean, it, it's pretty bad. Um, Spurs, I think that one's pretty obvious. Gareth Bale three hundred thousand pounds a week. Yep. Three hundred thousand pounds. Has
1: he? He's got a nice haircut. That's it. (laughs) Played some golf. Um, Thank you, Jeff, for your question. We're going to move on to the football. Um, You
0: you know what? You don't want to. I don't want a whole list. A whole list of how rich these people are.
1: No, I'm bored of the list now. Yeah, it interested me, but now. But Ben Ben
0: Chirwell's interesting. Yes.
1: Now, without our running order, I did have a question at the top of our running order that I wanted to pose to you both this evening. Um, And there's been a lot of conversation in the world this week about the game is dead. Football's (laughs) dead. Everything's wrong. The joy's gone, etc. So I basically want to say, are we watching the death of the game? Is the joy gone? Or are we watching some of the best football right now? Because between 1st and 11th in the league, there's only six points. So isn't that what we want? Isn't that exactly... How we want the Premier League to be? We want it to be close. We want people to beat each other. Maybe VAR is getting a bit in the way, but maybe it's evening it up. Um. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think it's the death of football, and I think it is. Um, it's so English. <laughs> so much of the coverage this week has been i mean obviously there's some frustrations with var we yeah. we get that and we'll we'll talk about it i yeah. want to talk about it but it's funny you said that cuz top of my sort of thought process for this week was the sandwich in the, the sandwich? The sandwich. The, the league has got squished oh. closer together like a squashed mm. sandwich. Yep. And I think that that can only be a good thing for a fan. Now, like I was excited because none of the teams at the top at the weekend won. Yeah. And two of the bottom three teams won. And a few teams in the middle. So it all just squeezed up a bit more. And my immediate reaction to that is this is great. And we're seeing an unpredictable league and we're seeing goals and excitement. Yes, it's all a bit chaotic and there's injuries and, you know, the current climate is, you know, lends itself to this slightly chaotic league that feels a bit weird. Yeah. But I think generally it's great. Like surely closeness can only be good. I, I don't get the impression that any team is going to streak away with the the league, or any two teams are going to streak away
0: with the league. I agree. But what do you want? What do you want from football? I mean, you could. I'm going to ignore the whole nonsense that's going on with with VAR for, for this for this yeah. conversation yeah. because because you'd argue you go okay. Well, is, do the ends justify the means if the means is you keep taking away perfectly valid goals from teams then maybe it'd be more competitive so <laughs> yeah. I, I get that point so let's not all make it at once but I agree with you Roger completely I, th- I think it's not the death of football It's there's a kind of an equalisation of football right now there's a chaos to football that anyone can do anything at any time and it's it's driven by a, a chaos in life, really. You know, every, everything is is confusing at the moment, and that, and football is not isolated from that. The to see the results this year, you know, we'll talk about Aston Villa, Liverpool. I think for for years to come, yeah. uh, how much of an anomaly and a crazy result there is watching Fulham beat Leicester this week. The yeah. same kind of thing, you know. We we really kind of pulled Fulham apart last week. You, I they. Do play some quality football. We know that, yeah. like for twenty-minute periods, and they're gonna they're, they could have no hope, whatever, and then they go and beat Leicester, who have one of the best midfielders, sorry, best yeah. midfields in the yeah. league. So it's amazing what's happening this year. It's not the death of football; it's the death of dominance of football.
1: I was, yeah, okay, and do you... but I have got a
2: devil's advocate point. Okay, go on, Rog. In terms of I from the players' perspective, so I think the reason why some of this has got um you know, media attention in the week is because some of the players have articulated that they're not very happy.
1: Yes. And, you know a lot, a lot of, lot of that's, Liverpool players have come out. Yeah, and a lot of it.
2: that's to do with VAR, but I did think about it and, I'm like, it's enjoyable f- for fans, these aspects of it, and it's easy to sort of forget about the players in that a bit. And I actually, I mean, four players in this scenario, I would imagine it would actually be a bit tough, like day-to-day. Everyone, you know, you've got COVID hanging over you the whole time. You're probably needing to be quite restricted in your day-to-day life. Lots yeah. of bubbles and things, particularly when you, you travel. Yeah. You know, you've got teams still travelling for Champions League or Europe games coming back. The games are coming thick and fast. You know, you've got two a week. There's no fans. So... A huge amount of the excitement and stuff to me is gone, and I think it would become a bit of a, you know, a drudgery. Yes. Like it, it just it would be and a then, bit of a
1: slog, and it'd be a bit of a slog. But also, when you are playing, everyone's unsure of the rules. I can confidently yeah. sit here and go, I know what the offside rule, I know what the handball rule is, and I think the players are going, I don't really know what a goal is and when it isn't a goal, no. and when I'm, when I'm playing, and i will stop playing. Well, and they might do. The right. This is one of the
2: biggest things about what's happening. With VAR. They might do the right thing. Yeah. So they have been taught for their whole career. You know, look along the line, time the run. You know, get get it right. And they essentially are doing that. Yeah. But the rules are being implemented in such a way that they might do the right thing, but they're still being penalised. And I think as a player, that would be incredibly frustrating.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll, look, well, we'll get onto it, right? We'll, we'll get onto the VAR. But I, th- I think on your. On your your comment, Rog, that life is different for a footballer now. I think that is a point that needs to be made more, uh, more often and louder. Because you're absolutely right. Like this is a strange time mm. with no fans, no feedback. These these are people who spent their whole careers getting feedback from between twenty and forty thousand people every single week. They they thrive off that. That makes them. Makes them perform. This so mean, don't just, like, I don't know, <laughs> <It's just> bourbon <laughs> or uh, Like that is part of what makes them who they are, it's and that, has, radio, been, that has been taken away. They, as you say, they're in bubbles, so they're not, you know, um, signing autographs. They're not doing all those other things, yeah. which means they're spending more time on social media. So they're seeing a lot more hate in the game. You know, they're they they are in a strange time, just like everyone is in a strange yeah. time, and like I'm sorry because I'm not a footballer and this is going to sound really pessimistic and I I hate it but you're a bit miserable right James Milner's a bit miserable so fucking everyone's a bit miserable right now like (laughs) it it should be there is a barometer that that is everyone right now and you're falling out in love with football just like other people are falling out of love with with their wives or their yes. husbands. Like, like, or I mean, sitting look, on Zoom in is, meetings all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. You're stuck in but your I own home office, is- sitting on a Zoom meeting. You're falling out of love with your job. you yeah. pe- Everyone is going through this thing right now across the world. That it, football is not immune to it. So but it yes, is a fishbowl, and in
2: the UK, you know, it's such an echo chamber because it's always everything. You know, it's it's there is so much in football about the litless thing. So I do. I, yeah, of course, I, I, of I agree course. with you, but I think, and I think you're spot on. The players probably uh, miserable can't can't shrug that off as much because they got nothing else. So like us, you know, our world shrinks. So suddenly, when your world shrinks, things that wouldn't piss you off before Start really you piss off. you off. Well, you, and exactly so, that, right? And it's all just like it's all right there in their face, and because it's England, it's the whole time, and it doesn't stop. And I, I, and think you, la- you latch
0: on to something, yeah. right? And VAR. It has been the thing that footballers are latching onto.
1: Yeah, they're blaming and the badness the ev- on yeah. everything
0: bad going on in the world is VAR. Yeah. And, and I get that because it's a tangible it's something that happens every week that reinforces its badness every time you see it you are just more and more convinced that this is the thing that's ruining your life it just just you know it's the same as so many other parts of other people's lives that they look at and they go oh well this is the thing this is the thing that doesn't make sense this is the thing that we fix this and everything else is fine that's just not the case but yes VAR's fucked but VAR was fucked last year VAR was fucked the year before it wasn't we weren't talking about is it the death of football last year
2: yeah uh, like I think if there were fans in the ground, there would be half the noise I was that gonna, we're that getting that was on, be on my VAR. You- I just think all this, all this stuff gets amplifiers. What I've got that in my VAR notes is that I think a lot of this stuff, all of a sudden, even the time it's taking and all these things, yeah. I think all of a sudden you put, you know, fifty thousand people there, it's a completely different atmosphere and i think that you know there's more immediate expression of frustration and it's more part of the Mm -hmm. game because the fans are there whereas now it's just it's this thing that's separate but i also think it's not just the current situation it is so inherently english that we will like latch on to a thing that is different and new and we'll go oh that's bad (laughs) and we're like always the last to realize that actually it's not and we take so long to adjust and this is from a footballing sense, that we're yeah. then at a disadvantage yeah. <laughs> because everyone else has got yeah. used to it, a yeah. new rule, and yeah. is then adjusted to it and doing well. And and all of a sudden at the end, we realise that, oh, we're a bit late to this, yeah. 20 years behind, and we wonder why we never win anything. Yeah.
0: Do you- but I heard Pep's comments. This you hear, So Pep genuinely said what you said at the beginning of the yeah. show, John. Like I'm falling out of love with football. Players are falling out of- I'm not enjoying it anymore. Yeah. I listened to that, and, and that, is, I'm not saying Pep, suck it up, because I wouldn't say that to anyone in any job right yeah. now. But that is a reflection on everything, especially in the UK right now. They're not having the same time as they're having in Australia. They're not having the same time as they're having in the States. Yeah. In the States, it's you know, put your fingers in your ears and hope for the best. It, here, it's different. We're on the, on the yeah. other side of what they're going yeah. through right now. So I, I get his opinion. And, and I, I listen to Jurgen Klopp's whinges. And he's going through the same thing. And you can see, you know, what he is, the bee in his bonnet is the same bee every week and because that's how his frustrations are coming out. And I get that. So perhaps we should all be a little bit less fatalistic, a bit more patient and a bit more reflective on actually what's going on now isn't... Your reactions aren't really real. This doesn't really matter.
1: So let's flip it. So everyone's kind of having a horrible time and stuff. But as fans... Are we having a better time because the league is chaos? So that was my I love two. it. Wh- I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that was my two it. points: yeah. is that we're getting the players and the coaches saying it's a deaf football, and I guess some fans out there as well getting frustrated with it. But also from my, from a personal point of view, I love the fact that the league's so close. I can see the frustration of kind of this is disallowed for a millimeter here and a millimeter there or whatever. But right now, you can watch all twenty teams and go, I'm going to enjoy it apart from maybe palace against newcastle this week that was dire spurs <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll get onto that um but uh it's enjoyable to watch everyone can beat everyone and i genuinely don't know who's going to win the league don't know who's going to go down don't know who's going to get top 4 that's exactly what we've, i want from we've the had premier
0: something league something like seven league leaders in 10 yeah. rounds yeah. That's incredible. I, I, I genuinely don't... I mean, without going through the back stats, I can't remember a time where that has happened. That's brilliant. As yeah. a fan, if you're a neutral, if you don't actually care, yeah. you would be loving it. This yeah. is a great week to be... To, sorry, this is a great year to be introducing someone to the Premier League because yeah. it's chaos. It's, it's brilliant and chaos. Why is
2: there not more of that either? Like in the, in the media, in the last two weeks, or at the weekend, there's been very little about... Isn't it great that the league's
1: so close and chaotic? Um I as a Man United fan, I'm gonna say it's probably big team bias because the big teams aren't at the top. So the Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea get the most kind of um people on the radio, the ex pros and stuff. They're not at the top. They're not running. We're not talking about how great Liverpool are, how great Man City are, how great Man United are. We're talking about why aren't they winning? They're not winning because something's going wrong. What do we fair? Yeah. What do we blame on VAR? And I like. I think it's brilliant. Well, there's 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 a
2: good uh, one beer wonder topic right there. I think is there um, established media bias for the top. Well, it's
1: funny you say that, Rog, because we're recording a one beer wonder this week on that very topic. Well, there you go. Which will be out
0: next week. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I think you're absolutely right when it comes to you. Why aren't people talking about it? there, there is a, um, a fear of, a fear of change. We saw how uncomfortable it was when Leicester won the league. Uh, it, for the fans, it was the best thing ever. But for the For the establishment it was not. For the establishment it was it was this chaotic, strange year that when's it gonna get back to normal? And we had to there had to be reasons why it was happening. You kept hearing about, you know, the big sides being in development or transition or losing their managers, Mm. all of these very well thought through reasons why Leicester won the league. But very rarely was it. Leicester were just fucking awesome that year. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't hear that. But from fans Everyone was loving it. Everyone was loving watching Jamie Vardy and Mares just destroy Man City. And it was amazing. Let's move on to some of the
1: actual games. But also, I want to kind of, as I'm about to start this conversation about West Ham, also related to that topic, we are talking about teams doing brilliantly. So West Ham are in fifth for, for now. And then we're talking to teams about doing awfully, which is say Arsenal in 14th, who are only eight points off the lead. Yeah, like so, the the kind of because everything's squashed up. The media story is Arsenal are a mess. West Ham four points off West Ham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. West and Ham it, it might really... change
2: on a weekly basis. It's
1: exactly. amazing. It's so, so
2: like reactive, and I, and I kind of love that. Like, it goes from like disaster to yeah. going well in two weeks. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> so Everton have won the league and been relegated this season yeah. already. <laughs> <laughs> And
1: and I think they're in seventh. Oh no, eighth. Eighth, So close to where you're going to end up.
2: Everything will end up okay. But yeah,
1: let's talk about West Ham. So West Ham ended up being fifth and beat Villa somehow. Moyes did come out and go, we played crap. I'm not sure how we won this game. But they got across the line. We talked about West Ham at the start of the season having a horrible start to the season. Lots of difficult games. Is Moyes getting it right is he suddenly a good coach he I mean, he made two substitutions at half time in this game which I think when you've only got three and we've talked about the substitutions he was not playing well and just went no I'm making two subs at half time when he changes up and scored within 30 seconds of the second half starting and was a goal up already I think that's good management I think that's tactically awareness and I would not say that of Moyes regularly I wasn't convinced about Moyes um I thought
2: they'd be OK, but I thought he would be a bit miserable. And I sort of thought...
1: He's in his
0: element at the moment, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, i, mean, I actually, Now he's the positive one. Maybe.
2: But I thought the days of Moyes, I thought that had passed him by. I honestly felt like he was so scarred by the Man United experience that mm. he was not going to be able to get back to... I mean, at his best, he's, he's a pragmatic manager. We know that.
1: Um... Pragmatic managers doing well this year Jose Moyes that,
2: That's true but I mean he and but let's not forget like he overachieved with that Everton side for for a number of years mm. and had them playing good football like and and I wasn't sure he he was going to do that at West Ham, but I I feel like he's not that far away, and I feel like some of the players he's stuck with is being proved right. On I thought um Jarrod Bowen again, you know, scored a good goal in this, although it was a really tidy yeah. um finish with his head, and he's been really good this year. And they didn't didn't they bought him, didn't play him immediately, said he wasn't fit enough, um you know, but he has, did look a bit podgy. did look a bit podgy. but yeah. You know, you know what he's—he's a, he's a, he's a Premier League player. Um, you know, Fornals was another one where you know came in and we thought, oh, is he going to be a bit of a dud? Yep. You know, Haller was. There's obviously been some sort of falling out, and then he's come back in. And, and I top earner, top
0: earner at West Ham. Haller. Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
2: you know, and he's got. He, their big problem has always been conceding lots and lots of goals. Yeah, and Moyes seems to have fixed that. And I think Villa are a very. Good team. Villa were really good um, in this and game, and then they play, they, you, you watch them; they're they're so easy on the eye. They play really good yeah. football, but they only
1: score one goal. Well, go on, Jeff. What were you going to say? Because yes.
0: so it's the, it's the same as the Mourinho conversation we had last week, right? Yeah. If you play at home and you have thirty four percent possession, and you only have two shots on target, and you score two goals, I mean, if the fans were there. I'm not sure the the rhetoric this week would be the same as the rhetoric. However, they're not, which means no. that this gives Moyes a window of opportunity to get that team behind him. And I, Moyes is a good manager, you know. I, 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 endlessly with YouTube, bang my head against the wall <laughs> because of my because of my my years watching him. Yeah. Well, it's not bias, it's more experience, I'd like to say. (laughs) I I feel like I've spent a. I've dedicated a 10 year, a decade of my life watching. David Moyes manage a football You're side. Not going to get those ten years back. No, I definitely am not. No, <laughs> what did we achieve? Zero. What did I yeah. achieve? Nothing. Why well, you've got think of uh,
2: Fellaini's Velcro chest that you got <laughs> to watch week after <laughs> it week. It wasn't.
0: It wasn't that great. Yeah, but you know what? I If I achieved anything, and I can't believe I'm registering this as a positive in my life, it's to understand how David Moyes manages a football yeah. team. <laughs> and I genuinely think he is better than the credit he has shown. There yeah. is. It's no, fuck. Like it's no. Um, Like It's no accident they got given the Man United job. He's good at his job. He just needs time. And this West Ham side, I was worried at the beginning of the year and I'm watching them develop and I genuinely think they can do something. I do.
1: Um, On the Villa side of things, so they get a penalty at the end and Oli Watkins hits the bar um, to equalise. One, should Grealish be on penalties? Just That's what I thought. I thought Grealish would be the penalty taker. Great at dead balls, but anyway. Um, and then Watkins goes through and scores a goal and is given offside. Um, and we add a message from Phil on Shedders and Volleys um, going, one for you to discuss on the pod of sure. How do you fix the current offside farce? Far too many go- goals ruled out needlessly. Banford pointing. Watkins being wrestled plus the one from the Merseyside derby. Now the Watkins being wrestled one I think is interesting because he was fouled he was fouled as he was going through mm. not and, clear and obvious john and because he's pushed it puts his arm in an offside position if he was allowed to just run without getting pushed
0: do you think that's, that's you think it's cuz he was pushed that his arm was i wasn't cuz he was
2: pushed i'd say it was a wrestle so he's trying to like shake off ogbonna but like there's a wrestle, and that has caused his arm to go forward. I, and yeah, it, I completely agree. But if
1: also, if you look at the replay, Ogbonna has got his arms round him, like wrapped yeah. round him, like Harry Maguire did. That it should have been a penalty and never was. And it, it is
2: a hundred percent a penalty. If it's not a goal, which it should be, it
0: is a penalty. Yeah. Okay, so the, as soon as he takes the shot, it's not a penalty because they played advantage.
2: No, because he's offside. So they've they've said that he's, they've given it as an not They've ruled out the goal for offside. Yeah, okay. But they haven't. He's offside after there
1: should have been a penalty. Yeah, okay. But he didn't go down, did he? And no. so Phil on Facebook goes on to say, um, so it's raised in the ref special that we did. Refs are more likely to give a foul if you go down. So he doesn't go down. He carries on and goes and plays. So Robbie, who is a West Ham fan and did our fan special with us, says agreed, but so why not use VAR to penalise diving?
2: Is now, you- someone in this room has been talking about this Jeff? for years and years <laughs> and years and years. Now, I could not agree more with Robbie, and I think I I do not understand why there is not appetite in the powers that be that run football to stamp out cheating.
1: Yeah.
2: it why it is only part of the game because we allow it to be if there was retrospect we we now have this amazing technology we can see when a player cheats i think there's less of it but 100 percent, it still happens yeah if we retrospectively punish those players anyone that dives gets a three game ban done it stops yeah just do it yeah why I don't understand what is the possible reason to not do it.
1: I think also this is the right time to do it because we're seeing more complaints about slight tweaks in rules, etc. for VAR, that actually I think doing that would be a quicker fix because we're seeing how long it's going to take for VAR to get right and it's going to take two, three years or whatever. I think that would take six weeks and everyone would just go, oh, better stop diving then. You say two or three years, but
2: I have faith because to me, we got VAR right in the World Cup yeah so it can be done but i just think to me and i i thought there were some great comments on the um whilst i can't read the comments on facebook (laughs) because i don't have facebook the guys have kind of been sharing some of them with me and and i agreed with a lot of the sentiment there johnny gonna uh before i have my rant yeah you there's another solution that somebody talked about in the group that i about the dutch fa yeah that i have a bit of time for go on then rog well, no, I'd like John
1: to bring well the, the dutch oh, i was going to just the dutch f a have said that you can have a f- five centimetre um margin of error on either side so if it comes in that basically the lines don't go down to millimeters they go down to five centimetres and it's a bit like cricket um and uh Jamie on facebook said margin of error or linesman's benefit of doubt is so obvious as a solution it works perfectly in cricket with l b w decisions no one complains when a batsman is not given, not out of the ball, is just nicking the stumps. We need to go back to being able to celebrate a goal when the ball hits the net and not just look at a big screen and wait for it to tell us to, which is a very good point. Um, so, yeah, it gives you that margin of error. And I think that's really important. So why can't we bring that in?
2: Well, and I think the really important thing there is, and this is another thing. One of my pet subjects that so we don't talk about on the pod too much, because we try not to get bogged down in VR, but offline we talk about it a lot, partly yeah. because I feel quite passionate about it and the use using technology wrongly. Yeah. Um now there's an interesting thing here though that I got from listening to um Ale and Jack from Ref Coach yeah. when when they came on. And it I just found that fascinating to hear it from a referee's point of view. And to me, VAR is Kind of, it's almost driving a wedge between the game and referees in my mind. In that there is a big contradiction here, which is that referees want to have feel for the game; they want to be part of the you know stewardship of the game, which is spot on and you know involved in how how the game's played. Like Mm. referees are absolutely critical part of that, and you've got to have a feel for that as a referee. And bringing VAR in, they've talked about this, is suddenly very hard because as a linesman, you're having to learn a new skill mm. and you're having to run the line slightly differently and keep and that's you know that that's tough but there's also you know this aspect of needing to interpret what's happening and have feel for the game but then also wanting the right decisions to be made which is where var comes in now yep. we shouldn't and, and you know if when something is completely correct or not you, you know you give that right decision yeah and we do know that since VAR has come in, more decisions. <laughs> that was a satisfying
0: opening of the year. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was just sitting back and waiting for him. Like, come on, Rog.
2: <laughs> so, more decisions are being. Uh, we're getting right. Yeah. Since VAR, you know, it's something like an 8% swing or yeah. something. So, it is, it is working. Yeah. However, as you said, John, at what cost? Yeah. Because I think at the moment, we would all agree that whilst there is um, an improvement in the number of decisions that are being. Um, correct it is having such a detriment on the game the players aren't enjoying it the fans aren't enjoying it is that what we want yeah and it's not so i kind of feel like it's it's to me it's over to IFAB because i don't what, what i disagree with in a huge amount of the coverage on this is it's var it's var it's var it's var it's not VAR yeah. AR as a tool has actually worked very well. Yes. But what has happened is our rules are no longer fit for purpose.
0: Okay, question for you, Rog. If I, if I had seven pies, right, and I lined up seven pies. Yeah. Now, you could probably eat all seven. I know you, Roger, <laughs> so You could probably eat all seven. If I gave you seven pies and I said, right, I'm going to give you... Uh, one of these pies is the best pie you'll ever eat. One of them has poo in it, right? And the other <laughs> five are average. Or I gave you seven pies and all of them were slightly better than average. What game would you rather play? Would you rather Would you rather risk having the best pie of your life or eating shit? Or would you like a bit, you know, seven better than average pies? I normally quite like your analogies, but I, I, I don't get it. Well,
1: what, 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 what would you rather do? I would like to eat the average pies.
0: You'd have... S- seven better than average parties. Yeah. That is VAR right now. Yeah. We, we've taken away the the thing that made football kind of peak and trough because of the appalling referee decisions and the things that you got away with and the emotion that comes with that. And we've got a bit better at the average results of our decision-making. It's a bit better across the board and we accept that. But what it's done is it's taken away some of the ecstasy that we yeah. that we experienced when it was... The best pie in the world, yeah, human chaos. But I don't, and it could have been the best pie in the world. And if you're the losing side, or if you're, if you're, and you're going to snatch a draw in the last last minute of extra time, but it was offside, but it got given anyway. Like that is that that is. But part I don't of agree. The beauty with it. of the game. I
2: agree with you, but I don't. I think that misses part of the point. So that is. I, I agree with you that there's that emotional part of the game, and I think players feel that as well as the fans. I will, I will only
0: have a retort in pie analogies. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: um, oh God, I don't know how to do it in a pie, but I think one, one, of, one of the biggest issues, and I think this Ollie Watkins um, decision sums it up perfectly, which is why we've seen it blow up so much, is that we are in a scenario where for some decisions we are saying there is no margin for error, Mm -hmm. even though there actually is like factually there is a margin for error it's been factored in yeah Yeah. and then for other decisions it's still very coarse and it's about interpretation and it's about shades of gray and it's actually was there clear and obvious error made that ollie watkins was fouled um and should it be a penalty i'm going to decide no and yet we're going to decide he's offside by a millimeter Mm. even though The machine that we are using to make that decision is not accurate enough to make that decision with a degree of certainty that is any greater than the shades of grey with which you haven't given the foul. Now that... Is the frustration side of this, and so, that is that is to me what happened this week. It's just this mass frustration of how can we have that for one thing, and then in the same breath, yeah, you know, we're saying this, and of course, people are going to get frustrated. You're right. It
0: should, it should be, we should have VAR for diving. Of course, we should. Mm-hmm. Um, for those listening at home, Rog sent John and I a, um, a thirty page <laughs> a thirty page document today. That I don't I'm, know about uh, you, Jeff, but I did not read it. No, I skipped that one, Jeff <laughs> That was... What was it? What is it? The FIFA... uh, this is
2: the FIFA handbook for the virtual offside line assessment. <laughs> okay,
0: so uh, thankfully you read through all 30 pages, Rog? I did. For... Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. But, but just, just... This, this is this... why
1: Rog is not on the Facebook group. No one wants to read this that. Is,
2: but this is my whole point, right? The... So this um, is essentially a specification that FIFA have produced that when you are installing VAR at any football ground in the world, yeah, this is the level of accuracy that the system has to have before they will sign it off. Okay. And you have to do all these tests that are in the manual and then show proof that you've passed yeah. and then that system can then be rolled out and used for VAR.
0: So what's the degree of doubt? What's What's the margin for error? It is two hundred
2: and fifty millimeters, which is twenty five centimeters, and they have to make a number of these decisions. So they don't just do it once. You know, it's about repeatability. Yeah. So you have to run a number of um. You know, repeatability is that a word? Do you
0: mean repetition? No, you say repeatability? Hmm. Repeatability. That exists. Yeah. that. you know, and
2: you have to get a pass rate of ninety five percent within two hundred fifty mil. But mm. the allowable margin for error in using VAR. For it to be accepted is 250 mil. Now, yeah. we know from people that have, um, are far cleverer than me and understand the technology and the frames and are mathematicians and can work out how fast somebody's going and what the speeds are, that there is a margin for error in the system. Now, my only frustration is that there's been very little dialogue about that from yeah. the people in control of the game because they've made a decision that they want offside to be a, you know, Black, uh, and, black white. and white, black and white by yeah. an decision. So they don't want to introduce an element of doubt. But what I have a lot of sympathy with the Dutch approach, which, yeah. by the way, FIFA haven't um, got on board with. No, they haven't agreed they've they that, gone yeah. rogue. Yeah, but I mean, I've, like, Dutch are quite progressive. Yeah, you know, yeah, Dutch football is is you know yeah. is very progressive. So I, I and I think there is something in that. But interestingly to me, UEFA have also written to IFAB and have said we're going to use VAR at. The Euros, however, we want to change handballs and offside.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I,
2: I have a suspicion that again, as it was with the World Cup, come the Euros, that they might get it, that they'll get it right. But right. I, I'm calling time on VAR. Yeah. Is but the, I, I mean, I'm thing, I'm optimistic because yeah.
0: I, I I think we can fix this. The last, yeah. last thing I'll say is yeah. who's the who writes for the New York Times? What's his name? Rory Smith. Rory Smith. He made a very good point this week that we have spent so much time talking about two very very small rules in football. To the offside and the handball rules are not important when you think about football. They yes. are they are tiny additions to they the just rules. Happen. Yeah, yeah, like they're they they were well, to stop goal a, hanging originally. They're, they're <laughs> met amend, they're amendments yeah. to the yeah. original rules of football, and yet they dominate what we chat about. It's,
1: Yes, very true. Right, um, let's go on to some football. Yeah. What do you want to talk about first? Fulham. Fulham. So, Leicester lost to Fulham, and Fulham won 2-1. Fulham
0: the end. won to Leicester, and Leicester lost to Fulham. It was an amazing game.
1: And uh, <laughs> Sticky patch for Leicester, or Fulham getting just reward for
2: Fulham, playing Fulham, quite good football? I watched
1: a chunk of this game. Fulham played really well. Once they were ahead, they suddenly went, oh, yeah we were good in the Championship and we're good at playing football. And their passing was good, their movement was good and I just thought they looked like a really good team. And Leicester, we've talked about going they could come top four, they could win the league again. Fulham are way better than them.
0: Fulham have been way better than... Most teams I've seen them play against this year, they just can't score penalties until today. Well, that, that's the, it. They've yeah. missed three penalties in a row until until that game. But but Fulham have played. I'm going to keep banging on about it all year because Fulham are playing really good football, and it, they there is an end product to Fulham's football too. It's not like watching um, Norwich. Norwich or Blackpool when they were up in the Premier League. They actually get the ball in the box. They mm. they they. they do the right things again. But you do worry. It's
2: that little bit of extra, extra quality. quality
0: yeah, yeah, but then in this game, old Heavyfoot did did really <laughs> well, didn't he? <laughs> oh, it was, was a good finish. I think he's
2: been really good this year. Yeah, he's, he's like he's a threat. Every game, I think he looks a threat. Look,
0: I don't, I don't disrespect the man. I just think he needs smaller shoes. We've decided that Jeff hates Luckman. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, just, I just feel that, that he, I don't
2: know. Just. But we um, we have to talk about Caviero too. Cause, yes. His penalty? Yeah, like guts. Yeah. And he's. And I he think walked, he's gone for the same... In the top corner? Well, I think he's gone for the same spot. Oh, but the keeper yeah. went the right uh, way as, too. As, yeah. um, I think he could have gone... A, bit higher with it but you know oh, go on Rog to, well, well, what, near, would you, what would you have it done it was nearly in the keeper's sweet spot yeah but I just you know when you have had that his penalty that he missed was yeah. awful yes he slipped yeah. but it just looked so bad and way, so I yeah. think anybody that comes up and sticks their hand up again what deserves a bit
1: of credit yeah, for, and I think that's why also I've got respect for Lookman, because after that Penenka miss that's awful and to play well in the two games since then and to score a really good goal this week you go there's there's something about that team and I love Scott Parker mm. like there's something about him that you just go I want, him to, I want to be his mate like I would play for him and I kind of want them to do well
0: you might my words they will survive this year and they will thrive in the Premier League I, wow. I, I genuinely wow. genuinely think so
1: John have you shared
2: the um Latest, uh, Mike Skinner and Scott Parker loving.
1: I have not yet. I'll put that on Shedders. Yeah, um, Shedders a, and have a It's so good.
0: <laughs> but again, and for Leicester, Leicester should be really disappointed. Uh, of course, uh, wax lyrical about football, but Leicester are a are a very good side. They have one of the best midfield's in the Premier League, in my opinion. They. They should be doing better, and they're not. Like well, but, they're, but, but they're I, they've got the players to come back to. Well, that's the thing. But the league's tight, isn't it? So yeah. they, they've had a disappointing run, but you're right, no one at the one, no one at the top one. So I, I,
2: and I also I look at Leicester a little bit like Liverpool, and I think this is still a team that has indeedy to come back in. They've got Pereira to come back in. Hopefully, that's going to happen quite soon. Mm. Uh, Castagna's been injured, who looked great in the you know first few games that he yeah. came in. So I, I mean, they've essentially got three of their most important players. And they're playing Europa in.
1: League football. So they're okay. playing Thursday, yeah. Monday, Thursday. But like
2: indeedy, you know, we've talked about what a difference Kante has made at Chelsea playing him in his right position. You know, indeedy yeah. has been looking like that player at Leicester. So I think if you put back him back in that team, I, and and Shoe as well, I
1: think Leicester would be very happy with where they're at right now. Um, the big game of the weekend was Chelsea Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> and I... Um, so I often will watch games... On delay and not check my phone or anything, not check the news. And I'm just like, I'm going to wake up in the morning, whatever weird time I usually wake up and go, I'm going to watch all the Chelsea Spurs game. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that this weekend. And then I went, oh, maybe I won't. I'll just watch the mini game. That is the best decision I've made probably (laughs) in the last six months because that looked like a turgid nil nil that Jose just ruined. And you watched a let I
2: still, it still just makes me smile when I think of how many times you got up in the wee small hours to watch Jose's United. Oh, that was the worst draw nil yes. Some horrible game. So yeah, yeah I, I, you've got some past experience to uh, base that. Position but also,
1: on. I, I brought this up last week, and I'm going to keep bringing it up. Optus on their highlight show still put Chelsea Spurs as the first main game.
2: Now would I match know, of the day have done that probably no no, no, no. it would have shifted ma- yeah,
1: yeah match of the day always do it on whatever's the most um, entertaining game most goals or whatever um, but to put it first I just think it's a big like come on Optus you can do better than that and look at it and go this is crap let's just put it in the middle and put like a 3-2 or something at the start
0: cool. Yep, good good point. I hope Optus is listening and you credit John Hewitt with your reframing of your entire network. But what are you make <laughs> And like to me, Jose would have like
2: forget everything he said after the game and this to me shows that he's he's on it this year with all yeah. his comments after the yeah. game, you yeah. know, my my little pony spurs, like they're oh. not not even in the race, not even a horse. He would have got he would have sat all those players down before the game went points great hit. Let's get a point and yeah. we'll go. Mm. We, you know, we, 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 this season, if we draw our away games and we win our home games, we we're win the in league. a shout of winning the league.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, do you know the most exciting thing that happened in this game in the 25-minute version I watched? Do you remember a few weeks ago I mentioned Frank Lampard's mini water bottle? Oh, yes. Yeah. It, it, it came up. Oh, so, I haven't seen So it. I have been watching with a hawkeye going, <laughs> when will Chelsea... And Frank Lampard bring up his little mini water bottle, but he bought it up this week. But it's, it's tight, it's like smaller than a can of beer. I'm like, what are you doing? Just get a full size bottle of water. The,
0: okay, uh, no credit. That, that is a fair observation on this game, John. Yeah. It's, bat- this is it's bat- size. Bat- but I gotta give Chelsea some credit for what they've done with their defense. Yeah, because yes, Mourinho did what he did, and you might as well have just not played this game because it was ripe to be killed from the, from the moment the ball was kicked however however chelsea have really tightened up where they needed to tighten up mm. but uh, but have they because this is like yes uh, their goal is way better they, well but their goal is way better and they're
2: playing kante where he should be playing i don't think they've really changed much else defensively well, that i just was, think that's that's how, all, that's so how good kante well, no but i just think like should we <laughs> really give frank lampard that much credit for making a blindingly obvious decision
1: but he hadn't done. Cante is that good? Um, just
2: play him where he, you know, is supposed to play. Who was the old Italian
1: manager they had? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Thank you. Sorry didn't do it, and Lampard didn't do it last year, and we all sat here just went play Kante in the right position. It will change everything. He's finally done it. It's working. He's so... really, really good. Like he is. <laughs> he he is like that. That's what frustrates me about. Like he
0: is so good in this position.
2: It is like having two players in this position. <laughs> so just play him
0: in the position. It's amazing how, um, you know, players. We spoke. We spoke about this many times over the last few years. But it's nice to see it happening again. To bring it up again, how players make they name a position after themselves. Yes. Do you know what I mean? The Mcaleady role. The Mcaleady role. And I think there are players like Kante who. Have actually defined a position on the pitch that wasn't defined before them. Mm. Like it was, it was just a, it was a name. It was a def- yeah. defensive midfielder, whatever. Yeah. Now it's the Kante role. And if you yeah. describe that when you're looking for a new player, a new player comes, plays a bit like Kante. He has defined a position. You're absolutely right, Rog. Not playing him in that position is like playing Makaleli on the left wing. Yeah. What are you fucking doing? It's just Do you know, The other...
2: Uh, Timo Werner had a uh, great finish, but was... Offside. Oh, it was a great finish. And yeah. there was a moment when... Oh, you know, I've... Zoom has been quite good this year, and I yeah. sort of wonder why did he go on loan to Everton? Like, what, you know? And I've, he's, he's, I felt like he's always had a lot of potential. And then there was a moment in this game where he had an absolute mare. Oh, he just um, passed it just to the p- forward right yeah, at the end. Like, yeah, you know, it was, it was the uh, Lascello. Yeah, it was the one chance, the of Mourinho chance. Yeah. yeah, and it was Zoomer. And you're like, that is why he's not quite he's got there. one error because he's him. got one massive error per game.
0: The only thing I worry about is whether the the Spurs players. Will eventually feel like they're not getting the trust that they need for for games like this, because because so, so Mourinho. Let me talk. So Mourinho sets out his team to to not lose games like this mm. against Chelsea. If you were Harry Kane, or if if you were Son, if you get to the end of the season, okay, you're going to say it doesn't matter if you're top of the league, whatever. But eventually, you'd be thinking, well, why don't we go after teams like this? Why don't we try and beat teams like this? Well,
1: that's the thing. It works when you're winning. Um, and when it doesn't, like it didn't at Man United for Jose, players start going, what am I doing? And I think we're seeing that a little bit at Arsenal under Arteta. He's turning out to be quite a pragmatic manager and they're not winning games. And you're
0: seeing them look a bit bored and a bit yeah. like, so, oh, do I have so to do this again? Like when it falls, it falls catastrophically, doesn't it? But then I also worry about his chances in the Champions League because you wonder whether players like that are being played like that week in and week out in the Premier League, whether they can switch it on for other games where they're going to need to, where it's yeah. a two-legged well, tie and they need won to score goals. Well, he's
2: won the Champions League, though. He won it with, it, when it won it with Inter playing dirge football the entire week. Well, he won group. it
0: playing the way he's playing now with a team that wasn't as good as the rest of the sides in the Champions League, which is the perfect situation for him. But if you've got world-class footballers, that that doesn't work.
1: No, well, I think it works for Jose for a year or two. Yeah, he's out, yeah. And then everyone goes, I've had enough of this. And he's usually had enough of it by then. Um, Let's go on to... I want to talk quickly about Man United winning 3-2 because they came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. And that's great as a Man United fan. I've kind of got nothing else to add.
2: Well, (laughs) what I do in the... You know, we talk about Oli playing... Counter-attack. Yeah, and so you won from... 2-0 2-0 down, which is... And you kind of threw the kitchen sink at them a bit, which is different. However, we talk about United having two ways of playing. Mm. Counterattack. And Bruno. Bruno or bust. Yes. And this, Bruno was this amazing. was Bruno. Like, <laughs> it's, so it's kind of like, we didn't learn any... Southampton played really good football, yep. but they're a bit open. Right yep. they're going to concede some which is the same all yeah they're yeah. going to concede they're going to concede some goals I thought this was a cracking game it was great. really enjoyed, I t- I watched the um I subsequently watched a longer form of the game but initially yeah. I watched the like the 3 minute Highlights. highlight package yeah. and it was just like bang bang
1: bang bang <laughs> I'm like what
2: this is this would have been a great game like there was it was just yeah. chaos but I still feel like you know there are clearly issues there for united mm. however Bruno Fernandes Is a bit special. He is a world-class footballer. Like, he is... And I just... I don't like Man United. Yeah. But I have some frustration with Paul Pogba. Because to me, if Paul Pogba has that much ability, Mm. so if he was also playing to the peak of his ability, like Fernandez
1: is, United would be a very, very different proposition. Mm. So
2: why is he not? I just don't get it. No.
1: And I think um, Donny van der Beek played in this game. And I think... He played a bit deeper. And I think there's a realisation that if he's going to be in the team at the same time as Fernandes, that's what he's got to do. And it works. And Cavani came on and changed the game. And it gave the team a focal point. It gave someone to go, we can hit the ball off of him. He's a poacher. He'll get a goal. Fuck,
0: he is a poacher, isn't he? He goes for things that are lost causes.
1: Yeah. And that's why I like the signing of him, is that he is... He'll run himself into the ground. He'll run and run and run and run and try and get something, make something happen. He looks after himself. He might be 34, and we might be paying him millions of pounds, but he will get you those goals. He's
0: like he's nearly as good as Calvert Lewin. But why <laughs> no, didn't is you buy? Saying, you, John? John? you
2: say it, but why didn't you buy a striker? Because that's what you need. We I did. did. So you did Cavani, Ed, Edison Cavani. Ed, uh, no, you know what I mean, like. No, Cavani is a stopgap solution, and yes. you had enough time to plan, recognize that there was a gap in your squad for somebody to give your very good attack a focal point. I
1: think and you to, didn't my do genuine it. answer to that is I think my uh, Mason Greenwood is a number nine, and he will play number nine and he'll be that focal point. He's not ready yet. And I think the signing of Cavani is give him a year or two, get them through. Greenwood can come in, Martial can do it a bit. But then, in two or three years, you'll see Mason Greenwood play main striker all the time.
2: Well, I I think they didn't do it because Martial had a good season last year, scored twenty goals plus for I think the first time in his career. Yeah, and I think they thought, okay, he can do it. He's had a poor year.
1: He's been really
0: flaky. Um, Can I please give a shout out to Arsenal being terrible this week? Yes,
1: their worst start in. Since 1981, it,
2: four hundred and seventy-six uh, minutes without a goal from open play. Oh God!
0: <laughs> I, did, I opened the floodgates. There, I just <laughs> thought was a, We had all these lined up. Really yeah, <laughs> a, a passive. Stat. Sorry, Arsenal. Um, and it's a shame because we gave Arsenal a lot of attention last week, and I was I was looking at this game as a bit of a barometer of, of where they're at. And um, you know, we, we did speak about them fixing up their defense, and it's just not it's not true. It wasn't it wasn't shown last week. I i. Sorry, but Arsenal were terrible in this game. In my opinion, I totally terrible. agree, and I
1: think there's a real like it's exactly a year since Emery was fired, and Arteta came in. Can you say they're a better team? Defensively, yes.
0: The, okay, the the Emery Arteta comparisons are something that gripe me a little bit. Okay, because in the same way, you can't say Trump is a good president because look at the economy. Yeah, okay. you, you know the your predecessor does. Really, he is the precursor to how you perform in the early stages of your career. Yeah. And Emery left Arsenal in a bit of a shambles.
1: Yeah, no, that's yes. Fair. He
0: was he was given an Arsenal side that was limited but well organised. And yeah. in the, in the beginning, he wasn't that bad. And then it went bad and bad and bad. So his stats include both of those periods. Arteta has had to rebuild from a from his predecessor mm. who left him a bit of a shambles. So these these comparisons are very. Um, they're compelling, but I don't think they tell the story as is reality.
2: What yeah. about a comparison with Lampard? So, to me, both managers got a free hit last year. Like I yeah. know, I know, Arteta didn't Arteta get a full, full season tro- two trophies. Last year He won a trophy, yeah, he won one trophy, two. which is great. But
0: however, two trophies. Wait,
1: wait, he won Charity Shield this year. Yeah, that's yeah. two second that's trophy this year. We was talking about last season. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> Okay, and with,
2: that, and that, okay,
0: John and Rods. and did
2: did great, you know, to win a trophy. However, two.
0: trophies,
2: <laughs> two trophies. Well, I don't count the cherry shield as a trophy, but anyway, um, I'm not Jose. Um, he to now to me, he has had enough time with this Arsenal team to establish an identity and a way of playing. Mm-hmm. Now, I I've been really disappointed the last two weeks because I've been crying out for Arsenal to switch to four at the back to be a bit more creative and I, and I was when they did that I was like great this you know this this is good I hope this works because this is how I would like to see Arsenal play however they've lost both those games and yep. it looks pretty awful and so I'm worried he's then gonna go back to, you know, being three, four, three. really, really pragmatic again. But I just I don't feel that he knows his best formation, knows his best team. I don't think his players understand exactly what it is they're trying to do. And I just worry that now there has been quite a considerable period of time with which to work that out and he's still not there. And uh, to me
1: that's an issue. And I brought it up very briefly earlier. His players look bored. Like you watch a you watch Willy Ann, you look like they're go they look like they're playing going, not looking forward to playing today. Like I've got to do X, Y, and Z that the manager's told me I'm not being told to express myself or just go and enjoy it or get out there and do what you do. And I think it's worn them down. And they're a
2: not bit. those kind of players. No. Like a Bemyang is a kind of player you want to go go do it. go score me goals. Yeah. And I kinda like and this is this is where Arteta has a hard job. Because I'm like, that's not the Arsenal way. Yeah. But like, yeah, you, but, yeah, but you know, what yeah. is you? You know, we're talking about Wenger, we're talking about a manager that was there for yeah. such a long time. So it's a, it's a poison chalice, but I just sort of feel, at what point do you say
0: he's had a fair go of trying to establish what his style is? Well, he has is? had a fair go, but they've invested on him having a fair go on them. Yeah. That's yeah. what Arsenal are doing right now.
1: Um, we're running a bit low on time, so I'm going to go on to the Liverpool-Brighton game. We, we, Jeff, you look like you really wanted to say
0: something. Oh, just weird. because I watched the worst game of football I've seen in probably five years this week. Oh, go on, go with that first. Uh, then we'll do a Crystal Prime. Palace, Newcastle. Oh, did, yes. did you watch it?
1: I watched bits of it, and then I think. I scratched my balls for a bit. It was so <laughs> so
0: horrible. There was so little quality on the show
2: anywhere. Well, Wolf Zaha wasn't playing. Wilf Zaha
0: wasn't playing, and Saint Maximan wasn't playing. And you're yeah, like, well, you. there you go. There's the well, what, there
2: is no May fun. As well go, uh, down the park and
0: watch a. Uh, it was know, just so football. horrible. And can I can I tell you? That I watched it with my son, who's four and a half years old. Yeah. And in the middle of the game, he said to me, "Dad," I was like, "Yes." He goes. Can both teams lose? <laughs> it's like, no, mate, but they, they should. should. They should. The one positive
1: I think was that Joe Linton was very good. Not well, very good as a big call. He wasn't very good. Joe Linton was pretty good for Newcastle and looked better playing in a front two. So I think there's some and he scored. But he's not very good and his goal wasn't very good. No. He still kind of looked like he didn't but really he mean it. Better. And he, he, he stumbled his way there. And we also have to mention on Newcastle their whole squad is in isolation for COVID now and their game against Villa at the weekend has been called off. Mm -hmm. So that is a big issue.
0: Um, But we do always... Okay, so I say it's the worst game of football I've seen in five years. It probably is. However, there is something of note if you're going to take something out of it, which is obviously Newcastle won 2-0, two late goals. And you do often see Steve Bruce. So look out for it. You see Steve Bruce reshape his side in the last 10-15 minutes of a game to go out all out attacking mm. and Newcastle score a lot of late goals and the the percentages are if if you score a goal in the last 10 minutes of the game and any games of football whether you're up or yeah. down or whatever if you score a goal in the last 10 minutes of the game you are 85% chance to win the game of football well wow. that is the stat Steve Bruce knows that yeah so he tries to sit down give me the worst game of football I've ever seen and then go for the 85% with 10 minutes to go yeah. That's that that is his game plan. Yeah. Which just... is why when he loses 2-0 in the first half, there's no coming back because his game plan's over. Yeah. So that is it is the season
1: of pragmatic coaches. So maybe Newcastle will get top 4. It's playing the numbers. Well, but I, and I'm glad they won
2: because I mean, I don't think that Palace should be immune from relegation threat because I think they're a terrible football team. Yeah. So I I want to see them sucked back towards the
0: Maya, they were so terrible in this game. They are, they were so <laughs> bad. But I'm kind of like, and I've, I reckon I've had them going down for like the last four years. There was a point where they got a free kick. Sorry, John, I know you're gonna be wrong. There's a point where they got, got a free kick just outside the penalty area. There's suddenly like all of the commentators, like, oh, and, and this is a chance. I wonder yeah. if this could be a left foot or a right foot. I'm like, I'm getting into this. Like, Come on, they want a free kick. Like, this is the most action I've seen in the last hour of my life. It went not only into the wall, into the shins of the wall. It's like, it's like, oh my God, it was the worst. Do
1: you know, Crystal Palace have played 14 games on Friday nights now because they never get into Europe. So they always get on the Friday night games. So they're just like, yep, yeah, you play. With-. Never won one of them. And I have a theory. It's because it's past Roy's bedtime. Like uh, He's really yeah. old and he's just like, oh, it's 8pm on a Friday night. Oh, this is a bit much for He's you. He's left his mobile phone <laughs> next to the phone. Yeah, <laughs>
2: exactly it's right. just weird. like We know that their record without Wolf Sahar is Turch. they would get relegated every year. Yeah. However, and I just feel like Wolf Sahar will never leave and they'll always sort of just about stay up yeah. and this conversation will happen every year and It then does.
0: It's like, yeah. oh, Wolf Sahar's retired. Okay. Sorry. Get that Sorry, John. I just had to get that one out. No,
1: that's good. No, so I wanted to talk about Liverpool-Brighton because we got an email from someone called Matt about it. And it says, hi, guys. And it says, hi, particularly, Rog. It's your dad's old mate, Matt, here from northern Sweden. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I've just been watching the Liverpool-Brighton game, which Liverpool is your dad supports, doesn't he? He does. Um, He's a scouser. And it said, it'd be interesting to hear what your guys thought were about Brighton's last penalty, um, the letter of the law or the spirit of the game. Anyway, many thanks for entertaining us on the football shed. Truly a ray of sunshine with a lousy beer in these strange times. So well, that was from Matt. So I thought I'd uh, read oh, that out for you, man. Rog. Um, but yeah, was it a penalty? I can't even remember the penalty. Uh,
2: so this is one of those ones where, in real time, it's not a foul, and it happens anywhere on the pitch. Uh, it's when not Robinson a foul. kicks Welbeck, and yeah. everyone
1: just plays on, yeah, and everyone just goes, "No, don't think anything of it." And then the ref, the VR goes,
0: "This was a penalty." Yeah, yeah and
2: percent yeah, I, yeah. I I I agree it's a foul, and I agree it's a penalty, but it's one of those ones where just it happens. 50 times a game and VAR would ignore it everywhere outside and this is one yeah. of the other contradictions like VAR would ignore it anywhere else on the pitch
0: but it check it, it yeah. and it
2: plays on checks it because it's in the penalty area and it's and it's just one of those ones where you it's a foul but it's a on game, the thigh
0: it was on the thigh and, and no, was it was, it was kicked it on the his, it kicked oh. his foot and Welbeck like, just
2: carries on everyone else carries on but it kind of it's just one of those ones where yes it's a foul and you can't argue with the penalty being given is that what we want to see? And I just think it's one of those ones where you go, it's a penalty, mm. however, Brighton players, Liverpool players, no all the fans, no one wants that to be a penalty. Yeah. But,
0: no. you know, don't take anything away from Brighton. Brighton had twice as many chances as Liverpool. I, I, yeah, game. I
2: watched this game yeah. and I Brighton absolutely deserved a point. I yeah. think, it's interesting, Liverpool, first 15 minutes like, you know, came out, did the Klopp thing, yeah, let yeah. come out of the blocks really fast, try and get a goal, they should have scored. 65% co- chance of winning a game if you get a,
1: get a goal go, in the Jen. first 15 minutes. Oh, stats man. <laughs> uh, they had a couple of really good chances, Could should have scored, didn't. Um, What's the stat if you score in the first 15 minutes and the last 10 minutes? You definitely won't. I, definitely I, I don't win. know. No, no, but it
0: does, just generally, 65% chance of winning if you score in the first 15 minutes of a game of football. Yeah. So Klopp knows that. That's why it goes out hard every week.
2: But it just, yeah, I this game, other than that, Jota is very good. Yep. We we, we knew that. I think Liverpool's <laughs> Liverpool's depth is definitely being tested. Um, you know, and you can just see there that bit off. So we know they play a high line, but normally mm. it works because they all know each other's games so well. And in this there were like three times in this game in the first half, where it was essentially a Brighton hoof. Yep. Like it wasn't a cultured ball over the top. It was basically a hoof. And they you know, Connolly was was yeah, through one on one yeah. and and I was like, well that you know, to me that says
1: more about Liverpool than does about Brighton. But um absolutely Brighton deserved a point from this game. Um let's move on to side stories. Does anyone have any uh, side story Well, actually I'm gonna start with the side stories. Okay. Um Diego Maradona died this week at sixty years old, and I used to bloody love Diego Maradona, so I just wanted to say that he was one of the greatest footballers ever and I'm gonna miss him.
2: Did you Yes, I completely agree, and I think we should accept him for all his flaws and all his greatness yes. and not delve into that and just go, like, and how, he's so much, good how much joy did we get just from watching yeah. him One of my
1: favourite, I think I still own it, uh, one of my favourite things I own is I bought a Napoli Maradona tennis number 10 shirt in Naples. That was, like, one of my things I have to do in my life, and I went to Naples, bought a Maradona number 10 shirt. It's the best.
2: Did you see Napoli beat Roma 4-0 and... Played brilliantly at yeah. the weekend. As and well, they're renaming right?
1: their stadium, the Diego Maradona Stadium.
2: Oh, but my one of my favourite Maradona, like there's obviously been a lot said because yeah. without doubt, he is, you know, one of the best footballers of all time. Yeah. Um uh I was watching the New Zealand and Argentina oh, rug- rugby. rugby game. Yeah. Um so I was w- watching this live and I always uh i was recording games it was on at an awkward time it's on at kid's bedtime or something yeah. so i was like right i'll watch the um hacker because i always yeah. love to watch the hacker and then i'll put on record and i'll come back and watch the game yeah um and so f- for the hacker every time they do it have the anthems and then the two teams break you know and go to each half mm. so it's literally just before kickoff and then new zealand line up and do the hacker and it's just one of, it's to me it's one of those things no matter how many times i see it it just it,
0: it's gives, always great, yeah. yeah. It gives you know, you feel yeah. the hairs
2: on your neck. So yeah. One of those sporting things you're like this is amazing. Um and just before they've done that, uh the captain of New Zealand walked up to the halfway line in front of the Argentinian players and laid down a shirt, an all black shirt, but with number ten on it and, and, Mar- put, and Maradona. Mar- Maradona and just put it down. Oh. Didn't say anything, just went and did that, and then they
1: went back and did the hacker. And I yeah. just was like, That's a bit, that like, was awesome. bit special. A bit special. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, my side stories. Any other side stories, Jeffer? Nothing from me this week. I've got one that I, I don't know enough about this,
2: but I want to ask you about it. Yeah. The Man United cyber attack. Oh, yes. And, it wasn't me and they won't say whether or not like a ransom dem- my thing isn't about a cyber attack is why are Man United being so like mysterious about it they're not saying if they've received any ransom demands I just I'm like this is all a bit weird it's
1: basically I think it's just
0: hacking of data of people. so it's the ransomware so so they they shut down their system yeah. and they say give us money and we'll open, give, your, system. open your system up yeah. but then if you give them money they just say oh well, can we have some more yeah. go, but why are Man United no, no, you not said talking you do about it, it?
1: Because it's not... It's data
0: protection. Yeah, it. exactly. If, if,
1: and it's, it's, it happens all the time to big businesses constantly. But Man United just got
0: caught out this time. Right. Yeah, um, someone clicked on something they shouldn't. It's, it's just it, some
2: and, spotty kid in a bedroom in Russia it's, somewhere. It's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. It's,
0: it's make a good living out of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I do have a couple of other side stories, sorry. Um, Stephanie Frappard, and I'm going to say that wrong because she's French.
0: Frapper. Frapper. Frapper.
1: Um, she's going to become the first female referee to referee in the Champions League tomorrow morning. Oh, good on know, her! Which is awesome. Um, and Spurs have got drawn against Marine yeah, I saw that. in the FA Cup, are in the eighth tier and they're playing away from home, which is going to be brilliant. And Jose will love that one. Yeah, it's just a field. Jose is going to win 1 0.
0: Now, just go back to the first question you said is football dead? No. Look at that FA yes. Cup tie. Football yep. is very much alive. We all need to get over ourselves. And on that Agreed. same line of thought, did you see Jolene Lescott's getting
2: another life? in the, one ga- fourth, the fourth tier in Spain. A one-game really? contract? <laughs> yeah, is it a one-game contract? you playing a game.
0: A game. One-game contract? Do you yeah. need a contract Maybe you just
2: see the holiday in Spain or something.
0: Moy sold that bloke for £27 million.
1: Pounds. Yeah. Is it a contract when you play one game or is it just turning up with your mates and playing football? Is it
0: one game, John? Yeah, wow.
1: Um, end game time. Oh, yeah. So, Jeff, okay, you won last week so you're on five points I'm on three
0: Roger's on three
1: yes so yes Roger yes, and I are playing catch yes. up
0: okay so this week uh, before you start yeah
1: I feel like Roger cheats in when we're doing this in person oh,
0: wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> because he
1: seems to do well when we do it in person and you take your time and you um and, and you ah and then I panic and I get it wrong so
0: just I don't like it when you he, take time John take time isn't it
1: harder to cheat in person don't know but you seem to win in person <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I'm going back to 2007. Now, I'd say a good game to look forward to this weekend uh, is West Ham-Manchester United. So yep. I've gone for a West Ham-Man United game in 2007. Managers, Alex Ferguson and the Pards. The Touch of oh,
1: oh, God.
0: Okay, who lost last week? John you lost last week, so you get to go first.
1: Ryan Giggs.
0: Oh god. Come Ryan on. Giggs came on as a sub. Okay. <laughs> you go again.
1: <laughs> Rio Ferdinand. Oh god, John. Oh god, god What is this? No he didn't he didn't, <laughs> John <Aww. laughs> no. uh,
0: Paul Skulls? Skulls came on as the sub. Oh, my oh. God. Side point. What was the score of this game? Oh, yeah. You haven't told us that yet? 1-0 West Ham. And what... Why did you pick
1: this? What month of the season was it? Was it, like, the last day of the season? May.
2: Oh,
0: oh no. What okay. a weird game because to pick. this is a famous game of football. When, you, when we get to the end of this, you will know that this is a famous game of football.
2: Uh, Carlos Tevez.
0: Correct started for West Ham. Ooh,
1: it is a famous game of football. Ooh,
0: Wayne Rooney. Rooney, correct. Mascherano. No, he'd gone to Liverpool he by then. he fallen out of favour by then. Right? To, he went to Liverpool halfway through <laughs> the season. So did you get two wrong now? There's no, anything only no, got no, one oh, wrong. Yeah, one, We've got one, one. wrong oh, yeah. each. Um, Before, good 2007 knowledge there, John. <laughs> yeah.
1: January 2007, Mascherano moved from West Ham to Liverpool.
0: <laughs> Um, Vidic oh, bloody hell. subs not used. Vidic. Oh, oh no! Wow. Oh, you have to get one right then to win. Um, where's Brown? Correct. Oh, I mean, oh. <laughs> John! I can't <laughs> believe. Looking at this at United side, you did not go oh. deep into John? this one. Vidic My next one Wes Brown Okay you ready Uh, Manchester United Edwin van der Sar John O'Shea Wes Brown Gabriel Hines Uh, Patrice Evra Solskjaer Carrick Fletcher Kieran Richardson (laughs) Alan Smith Stephanie May Rooney and Ronaldo came on for Smith (sighs) West Ham Rob Green Lucas Neal John Collins, Anton, oh, Rio Ferdinand was that Rio no, Ferdinand? Anton, Ant- Anton Ferdinand, yeah. uh, McCartney, uh, Ben Ayoun, Rio Coker, Mark Noble, Louis Boamorte, Bobby Zamora. Come on, Bobby Zamora. <laughs> Oh. That is an excellent West Ham side. That the reason why it's a famous game, obviously Tevez scored one 0 and that's what yeah, kept, kept West Ham up. up. Yeah. yeah, and then
1: we signed Tevez, and like, yeah. he's really good.
2: Well, and then, but then you threw me with that because then I was like, oh, Mascherano was there too. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you, but can,
0: then, you can you re- can picture that goal if you shut your eyes. That's a, that was a great game. I'm but it was so disappointed in both of you. Well, cause it, cause no, because
2: it's, it's and it's the teams play when you get to May. It goes weird. It goes weird, and every plays like second just saying, team. Just saying,
0: as the as the current leader in this game, I'm oh, disappointed God, in come you, on, both. John. We've got to fix this. Um, okay, well uh, that's everything for tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was a pause there because my computer just crashed on me, but it's all okay. It's all under control. Still recording. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back next week. Um, Don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions, tell us wrong or something, just find us on Facebook and join the group, Shedders and Volleys, or shoot us an email if you're Roger, at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.